Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan, joined by Russell Johnson. And uh, I think I was closer to being right last week, Russell, than you were in terms of predicting the Georgia Tech-Clemson game. Obviously still didn't come out the way uh, Jacket fans would have wanted, but they showed signs of life and improvement. It was a low-scoring game, sort of like I called. And, um, yeah, it was a really interesting game to cover, a very long game to cover. Uh, I got home two and a half hours later than I anticipated, thanks to the two-hour weather delay. And um, the closeness of the game, to be honest, it changes when you write stories or do whatever. If the game's, like, not settled, um, it just takes a lot longer to even write about the game afterwards. So that kind of adds some time onto it too. But um, it, it was definitely really interesting uh, being there. It was fascinating that so many people left uh, after the weather delay. And it was really interesting the way the team played and, and hung with Clemson punch for punch and sort of amazed at how bad uh, or the lack of um, uh, maybe uh uh, confidence from T- Tony Elliott and, and DJ, the quarterback for Clemson in that game. It was sort of interesting. They were basically kind of daring them to throw the football the whole game and they just wouldn't do it. And um, yeah, it's it funny. Jordan Yates with better numbers than DJ. I mean, the whole thing was a real bizarre, uh, a, a bizarre sight to behold in person. That What did it look like on TV, man? Yeah, I think I, I, I would agree with that. Um, the, uh, the delay felt, much longer than the, the two hours being that it switched between like what four or five different networks and they just kept flip-flopping because they were trying to figure out um what they were going to do like at one point they said it was going to be on espn2 and then all of a sudden the game the mississippi state memphis game went off the rails and then now they're going to espn news okay no way they're going to go back to espn2 i mean that part was crazy but then you know on top of that like you were talking about you know, it just seemed like, you know, for the first time in at least since since um, Collins got to Georgia Tech, they seemed to have a pretty good idea of what Clemson was going to do offensively. And they were trying to force them out of their comfort zone significantly because, you know, DJ, the quarterback for Clemson, had, had really struggled um, in, in the Georgia game. And then, I mean, he didn't really struggle in the South Carolina State game, but he didn't put up the, the eye-popping numbers you would expect to get such an inferior opponent. And, you know, like you said, you know, they were kind of forcing him to throw and couldn't do it. it was, they were, he had options downfield on several different occasions throughout the game, and he was just unable to, to do anything with them. And, it was you know, funny think, when he hit – I mean, there was a play where he literally hit Trey Swilling, I think it was, in the back with a football yeah. like Trey's is covering the guy the receiver it's clearly not where the route's going the receiver's still running down the field in front of Trey and if Trey had just turned around he might have been running the other way for a touchdown but like I mean that's how bad some of the balls were like it hit a guy running full stride in his back because like no one was looking for it like it was weird um he looked like a totally different kid you know I watched him play when Trevor Lawrence was out last year and he looked really confident and I guess it's one of those things you see when, um, you know, maybe the success gets to you or early and you get overconfident or I don't know what it is, but like money. maybe the pressure of it, maybe the NIL money's yeah. in the you Dr. Pepper was talking about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is, but that's sort of, you know, I've talked about throughout all of this, my concern with NIL stuff is if you, 
invest a lot of money in a kid. What if he sucks? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah so what if they put another yeah. quarterback in and then Dr. Pepper's got this ad with this dude? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, that's, Gosh, that reminds me, I saw a story today. There's some paper who did an interview with the guy at university of Miami who did that like lump sum for all those players. And he's like, there's no reason this program should be this bad. And like, Oh, I could have bet you a million dollars. That dude would have been trying to pull out of that deal. And I wouldn't have even announced it until all the money was in escrow or something. Exactly. And I think that's where uh, this is going to get kind of interesting because I mean, it's all fun and games, you know, like these agreements with these um, brands, car dealerships and restaurants and everything. But when the players aren't performing, when the team's not winning, what's going to happen? Like how quickly are these, these, companies and 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 restaurants and stuff how quickly are they gonna pull back i mean yeah you basically got to have the people that are just like i'm going to live and die on this hill or people who are making realistic deals you look at the one that i wrote about this week on jackets online with tivo with george tech and that was a realistic deal right it's you know they spent um you know whatever 50 60 grand whatever it was on the players plus the streaming boxes which they get at cost and some pajamas and a football you know like a few things and then they put some stuff in the media room and made a commercial and all that stuff on campus like all of those things are great and it was a like that was a more all-encompassing deal that started as an nil thing where you have like jp mason stump it for arby's because the our, the guy whose company owns Arby's, which is its owned by a conglomerate, is a, a tech grad. So that makes sense, right? But those are like micro deals. They're not paying Jordan Mason $100,000 to uh, get on a scooter and talk about Arby's. They're paying him a little bit of money. And it's great for JP because he's getting some pocket money. And it's not a lot of work to do that or whatever, to throw something up on Twitter. And he was real cool about it. He actually had to redo his video and he shot me a message when he put it back up to let me know that he had to redo it. He was like, my bad, man. I had to fix something in it. I was like, cool, no worries. And we tweeted it out or whatever. Cause I'm all about supporting these kids doing their thing. But like, it's just funny to me. Cause it's like such a different um, thing than what I think people expect. And there's something that I talked to Simit Shaw, who is in charge of that Georgia tech. And he was like, everyone thought that like there was, were going to be all six figure deals and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, it's much more about like these microtransactions. And um, yeah, there's going to, you know, if you're the starting quarterback at Alabama, you might get a great deal of like, if you're Tua or, or Mac Jones or whatever, like, yeah, you're probably going to get a car or whatever, but how many of those deals are going on? And then to be frank in the past, uh, at least historically, I won't necessarily talk about right now. Um, There were plenty of people getting cars back in the day uh, as it is a lot of these places where people are expecting to get these deals. So now it's just a little more above board. So um, now it's just allowed. Yeah. Like it's legal and you know, the IRS might know about it versus before when it was just like, um, you know, someone showing up in a Camaro or whatever, like I just remember covering a certain school and pulling up and I had a brand new car that was fairly nice. Like it was okay. Like it was like a, like a decent new car. And I still had like the crappiest car in the parking lot at this uh, certain program um, back in the day. And like, you know, that's just the way things were. And um, 
it's you know it's now it's got to be a little more out in front and that's great and i think it's good for the business because they maybe they get something out of this now um you know but as you said it's going to be interesting when you have like a team like miami go off the rails the way they are uh that we predicted by the way on this podcast multiple times and um you know you got these kind of rogue boosters and it's not all front end money. And I, you know, I don't know, I think you, I, and I don't know how you police it, but I think you got to make them put money in escrow or something or do something to make it. So um, these kids are a little more protected in some of these deals. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of these shady characters and, and people honestly, like, I think with that Miami guy, I, I wonder how much of that too was like him trying to get his company's name out there and, he got all these write-ups in national papers and all this stuff i think it was like a gym or something right like or something. yeah i believe so yeah like i mean think about what the margins probably are in a gym like can they really be spending half a million dollars or whatever it was like that seems a little nuts to me so um yeah maybe they do maybe they don't but i just i found all of that stuff like super super weird like i just don't I don't see it being the thing it, that it, it, that people are making out to be. And I do think a place like Georgia tech, if you have success, you know, I think if, if Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright were playing this year for the basketball team, I think they would have some really good NIL opportunities um, coming off the years they had, or like maybe Mike DeVoe will when the season comes around. I think right now everyone's very much in a football brain, but I think that'll start to shift as, we get closer to the other season starting up and you'll start to see maybe some other deals coming around. And I think, you know, honestly, the people who are going to benefit from the, this the most are the influencer types that have crap tons of Instagram followers or Twitter followers or people on their WhatsApp or whatever it is, like whatever the, whatever the new thing is, the kids are using these days, Russell and TikTok, um, TikTok Yeah. Like whoever those people are, are going to get, you know, free clothes. And hopefully it's like getting free clothes and getting things they should be getting, you know, like getting a TiVo streaming box is great. Like that's what these kids should get. Like, and it doesn't really cost these companies anything, but it's a, a benefit to them. And if you get $404 in your pocket, that's great. You can go do whatever with it. Most of these kids don't really make any money, so they're not paying much in taxes. So they're, in, you know, that's not really a concern. And, you know, to be honest, like a lot of these kids send money home too, man, like to help their families and shit. So I'm all about this, but I think it's funny and it's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds. And just like everything else, when people predict doom and gloom, like the transfer portal, I think there's a lot of layers to it. I think the transfer portal is something that people can use to build their program and, and backfill um, where you make a mistake in recruiting. And, you know, Dave, whether it was Dave Klossner, or Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech, when he was there, they used to talk about, you know, if we make a mistake, we're stuck with our mistake, right? Now you have a little bit more leeway with that. Um, kids are sometimes a little more willing to leave now. They don't have to sit out somewhere. And you, you can kind of patchwork, say, your offensive line by taking a couple offensive tackles or a slot receiver like Kyrick McGowan who's been really good for Georgia tech this year, those things can really can make a huge difference for your program. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that's uh that's something that you know, I think everybody's still kind of, you know, still researching and, and trying to get a, a real firm, you know, grasp on. I don't really, I don't think there's a, you know, a summary that everybody's come up with and everybody can agree upon. 
Um, you know, every every program has their their own ways that they view the transfer portal, and everybody has their own ways that they view misses in recruiting and how they handle having them or not having them on the roster, no matter what their last name is. Yeah, um, I think that's where uh, certain programs kind of differentiate themselves. They don't they're not worried about it if someone's not producing, someone doesn't look like at the caliber that they're looking for in their program. They're going to be frank with them. They're going to say, "Listen, player X, you know you're you're not going to play here. Um, you only have five years, four years of eligibility. Go somewhere and play." And those conversations have gone on forever. It's just been, I think, a lot of kids were gun shy in the past for leaving. I mean, you know, as much criticism as say Paul Johnson got, he was honest with kids. He'd be like, "Look, you're not going to overplay." Like here you're not good enough or you don't fit into our plans or you know these three guys are ahead of you and you're probably not going to be able to jump them so if you want to leave leave if you want to stay that's cool and that, i think that's the conversations that, that you know jeff collins and, and patrick Settis, the director of uh, the gm of the program you know those people have to are having those conversations and kids got to be real about it too like it depends on what your goals are. Like if you want to play football and be on the field, then yeah, you need to maybe go find your opportunity somewhere else. If you're cool with, you know, being on the team and you like wearing the uniform and dressing it out occasionally and you're a good kid, then, you know, they're probably going to let you stay. And, um, you know, ultimately you GPA. Yeah. And ultimately with attrition, I think it's the numbers thing has never really been a huge issue um, until this season because of the COVID weird COVID stuff. But um, I I think they've managed it pretty well. You know, you look in this next cycle um, for Georgia tech, you know, I I imagine, you know, we'll see a quarterback leave probably or two in the, in the program now. And you will see someone come in probably both from high school and the portal. That's, you know, my read on that. Like they got trad Beatty this last time, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can upgrade with trad, then trad will leave, you know, like he's already said that himself, like he's just there if they have a spot basically. So um, you kind of look at how all this unfolds, you know, I think if you're Georgia tech and you're looking at what they might target, I, I would say, quarterback um wide receiver offensive guard and um maybe another linebacker like those would be the places that i would think portal wise where you might see georgia tech you know take a shot with somebody i feel like the rest of their roster is in pretty good shape in terms of what they've been able to build up long term uh you know guard i think is still an issue they started will lay at the Clem- in the clemson game because um ken cooper went 100 percent you know, Cooper's a senior, Ryan Johnson, on the other side's a senior is having a tough year so far, and they don't seem super comfortable with uh, any of the other guys that they have sort of coming up yet to play. So that would make sense, right? As a spot where maybe you try to bridge the gap a little bit while you continue to work on your development curve. Um, you know, if you look around the rest of the team, like I said, you know, a big outside receiver um, that can make plays would be of good value right now, especially you got Leo Blackburn who's didn't get this year of experience under his belt now. Um, and then, you know, linebacker, I think they just need more linebackers to be honest with you. Um, Ty, we, you didn't get to see Tyson Miguez this year. He's sitting out for the year with an injury. 
you have Tatum, who's a um, true freshman playing a little bit, but the, the, the other three guys that are still playing are the same guys that have been playing. Um, you just sub AC Lee for David Curry, basically, and you have Quez and Charlie. And so they've had sort of a three, three linebacker thing. And then it kind of just falls off after that. So I think you got to start to figure out what you're going to do there to get more guys that are ready to play now and help you and, and can make a difference. And so that's sort of what I'm looking at there. And then you look at kind of the, the class and I think the class has got a few more spots left and then they'll fill that up. And I know we pivoted really hard to recruiting all of a sudden, Russell. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech Gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the AT, ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps. And check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Yes. Um, so, you know, getting to, to recruiting and, you know, talking about the quarterbacks um, to, to rather well, one very well-known quarterback in terms of the Georgia Tech fan base, and then one quarterback that fans are starting to, to learn more about uh, will both be on campus this weekend in the, the 22 class with, uh, you know, Tevin Carter from uh, Memphis, currently committed to Memphis. Uh, he'll be, you know, back on campus with his family. I believe he may be bringing a couple friends, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and then you've also got the former Baylor commit, uh, Penson Valley quarterback, Zach Pyron, Pyron who was also, uh, both of them were in the, the Elite 11. And uh, it's it's been kind of interesting to see the because uh, usually the Elite 11 kids, they make a commitment and they stick with it. But I mean, it seems back. like there's like four or five of them that are all looking around right now that are yeah well, you've, from you've that elite some, group. You've got some looking around, and then you've got uh, the kid from Lipscomb in Nashville, who is uh, basically Trent Dilfer's project, and um, you know it, he's blowing it up. Like if you look at his stats, you're like 87 percent completion rate, but then if you watch the film, you're like. He's throwing screen passes and bubbles. <laughs> he's being efficient. Yes, exactly. He's a he's a game manager. He he's got a good arm. But anyways, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, you know, with Tevin Carter, you know, like I said, he's he's committed to Memphis. Um, 
Um, Memphis recently lost out on a long, long, long time goal of theirs, which was to get to power five status when the other schools, Houston, Central Florida, BYU, and Cincinnati were invited to the Big 12. And I think that has kind of put a little bit of a damper on the momentum that not only the Memphis football program had, but really the entire city of Memphis. Um, I know there, there was a lot of hope on the, the basketball side as well, but um, it, it just seems like there's a little bit of a, a black eye kind of like a, or an unexpected loss because, you know, for Memphis thought they had it in the bag for several years um, due to their you know, connections with FedEx, their you know, proximity to the, the other schools in the conference. I could go on for days because I lived right over there. Well, and also they had the, um, you know, the basketball piece, which is not something that can be like overlooked in terms of this. And I think they felt like Houston was not going to get invited to the party or BYU. Like, right. They had one of those slots and they decided to go with BYU because I guess the brand and the size of the school, which sort of didn't make a lot of sense. And yeah, the location doesn't make sense. No, it seems like it's a kind of a nightmare for them. I thought it was kind of dumb to, yeah. to add them. I think if they had not played well recently, I wonder if they still make that decision or not to, to add them. Yeah. But, you know, they have Central Florida's. I think they're going to backslide with Gus Bus. Um, I mean, I think if you struggle at Auburn where you have everything, um. I find it hard to imagine where you don't have everything at central Florida, you're going to be good. And so you're saying you don't think he's going to succeed. Hold on. We got to, we got to pause here for a second. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, Gus, I, I think Gus I, is going to be I terrible. I think I disagree there. with you. I, I think he's going to be terrible there. I, unless he finds an offensive coordinator, I think his offense sucks. I watched him do the same stuff in the game. They lost the other night um, that he did at Auburn for, ever as an offensive coordinator doing great making great decisions like not throwing for the sticks on a third down uh he called a pass play at the end of that game that literally cost them the game because the guy threw an interception they had like 10 yards they were running they had all their timeouts they're at like the 40 or something 45 i think they need like 10 yards to kick a field goal to win the game at louisville and what does he do he throws a crossing route over the middle field quarterback hits the guy's shoulder ball pops up boom and central florida is like one of those teams i think that sort of like like maybe they'll win because they'll play the game that south florida is trying to play now where they're just going to take transfers work the portal take kids that want to come back home but yeah. i don't know that it's going to work in the big 12 either like um, it's going to be it's going to be tough but but i think that you know he's got such a a recruiting backyard that he's never had in his life and with the state of Florida. Yeah, but it's easy recruiting at Auburn, man. Like it's a lot easier than it is central Florida. You think they're going to go out, recruit Florida and Miami and Florida state. I think they're going to out recruit Miami, Miami right now. Well, maybe Manny Diaz gets fired, but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and then the next guy they bring in has all the hope and hopes and dreams of the, the U. Um, Yeah. But I just, I don't see it, man. Like, and um, 
it's so different than going to and you think about this too like they're you know they're going from having a, a game down the street against Central, south florida every year now their closest road game is going to be at houston or cincinnati like or west virginia who in the big 12 who what is their closest opponent I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Probably Cincinnati. Like, you know how far Cincinnati is from Orlando? I'm sure you do. You live in Ohio. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a haul. I'm telling you, and this, I'm telling you this right now, this Big 12 conference will not get the TV deal they have now. They're going to get something between what the American had and what the Big 12 has now or the ACC. So they're going to be, I guarantee you almost that they will probably drop from, I think they're making like 20 million or something a year now as a school to maybe 12, because the two things that bring money to that conference are going to be gone, which is Texas and Oklahoma. So if you're the TV rights holders, what the hell are you looking at? Like BYU. Okay. Like Cincinnati. Cool. Like not a huge fan base. Central Florida, not really a huge fan base either. Like, no, you, you a, go to their school, school though. It's a yeah. huge school, but it's like South Florida or any of those schools that are not traditional powers. Their fans are literally Florida fans, Miami fans, Florida State fans. Like you go to those schools and you see like these kids wearing the other stuff. And Central Florida's done a better job of bridging that and making progress on that than than maybe South Florida has in the last few years. But I mean, I own a South Florida site. I see all this stuff up close and personal, man. And I just think that basically they just stepped into like a hair better version of the American and they're going to be out of the, it's going to be the P4 or whatever. It's not going to be the P5 anymore. And they're going to step back in the, and the American's going to turn into like the mountain West, like with, Oh gosh, that sounds terrible. But I think I, and I bet Oresco is going to add Boise state and San Diego state and all the, Colorado State, all the Mountain West teams to replace Houston and Cincinnati and, and Central Florida. And that's what's going to happen. And they're going to be, we're the true American conference. We're on both coasts, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> you might want to apply to the AAC with this pitch. Um, and that's what's going to happen there. So, no, no, I don't think that, I think Gus is in a lot of trouble there. Um, I think it's going to go, I, I, I've watched Tommy, Tommy Tuberville at Cincinnati. I've watched oh, I had these to, guys. I had to step. cover that. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, how many of these, how many former Auburn coaches are lighting it up in their next job? Uh, not a lot. Yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, yeah, Gene, Gene Chizik, he's lighting his job up. I, he's enjoying <laughs> hell out of not having a coach. Um, yeah. I think they're still paying him not to coach, aren't they? Probably. I mean, Lord knows how they structure some of these buyouts. So don't feel yeah, sorry think- for Gus. Gus has enough money. He can fill all the pillows in his house with cash and cry in those at night if he's uh, upset. But um, they're, they're – I, I just don't, I don't see that, man. Um, that's quite it, the digression. I actually think that game's not even going to be what people think it is next year when Georgia Tech has to go down there and play them. No, I, I wouldn't be as intimidated or even nervous or what the feeling going into the game last year compared to the feeling going into the game next year, I think should be like a complete 180. I mean, it'll be a tough year, game. It'll be like playing Carolina or Virginia Tech or whatever. 
like or pit. Yeah. Like it's gonna be like a not, e- not say, easy yeah. game, but right, it's not gonna be like going to Clemson or something. And that's what it would have been like for that program if you know. And by the way, a great example of what not to do is Scott Frost right now too. Like yeah. he got the hell out of there, jumped on the job back home, which is a very tough job too, and is you know. I, he probably has another year just because he's Scott Frost, but maybe not. Yeah. It's the, the, <laughs> there are people ready to fire him after the first game. So, and it looked worse than it was after you've watched Illinois play a couple games. So, yeah. Um, long digressions. Um, back to quarterback recruiting. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting. And I do think they will look at the portal again. Um, for, you know, I don't think it'll be for a freshman, but I do think they'll look and see if there's maybe an older kid that they can add to the room to, to you know, give a little more competition. I mean, ultimately, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens even with Jeff and Jordan. You know, Jordan Yates, I think, will graduate in May. Does he keep the job and is he the guy going forward? Um, is Jeff Sims win the job back this season? Uh, you know, do they continue to compete for it all year? I have no idea. Like, you know, what, where does Chaden Perry fit into all this? Uh, you know, what does Trad Beatty do? Like, it's going to be really interesting, I think, as we kind of look at this. And I think it's, um, it's going to be sort of the big storyline, I think, from like probably November, December, January for Georgia Tech recruiting is kind of what happens with that quarterback situation. Um, what happens with the guys on the team too. And, you know, that plays into everything else. Cause a really the bulk of the class is sort of in place for, for 2022 right now. Um, it's just mostly finishing pieces, like getting a, some more DBs and getting a quarterback and an all purpose running back. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I think that's, and then I think it's going to be, you know, finding some nice pieces for the portal you know, uh, whatever those are, um, I, th- I think that's where this is sort of leading to, and it'll be interesting to see who shows up on, on, on Saturday night and in, in the bends as well, because it's sort of a good weekend to do that. You have, um, Georgia's at Vanderbilt. Um, a lot of the sec games are not that appealing. Like, I mean, you could go watch Georgia state Auburn, but they're going to beat the crap out of them. Like, do you want to go to watch Southern Miss Alabama, which will even be more of a beat down? You know what I mean? Like there's no other real compelling games this weekend. Georgia tech might be the best game in the area. Um, Who South Carolina play. They're hosting. They host Kentucky. Gotcha. Yeah. Dylan Lonergan will be there. So I figured it was going to be at least some, some kind of competitive game. Uh, Kentucky's a five point favorite in that one. Um, and you got Tennessee, Florida, which was a great game like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, not so much, uh, recently. Um, yeah, the best SEC game this week's out in the West, which is AM and Arkansas. Uh, that should be a pretty interesting game, but, um, yeah, so that would, that would have, yeah, yeah. So, needless to say, I think with. The tech playing in the bands. You got North Carolina who recruits this area a little bit too. Kids are going to be curious to see both teams. They'll uh, should be a, an interesting visitor list, I would think. And I don't know. I have no idea what the cap is even for them bringing visitors in or or what for the game. There's no limit. 
um so yeah so they probably have like the whole section like they did the last time tech played there and um, yeah they can load up on kids and and what cooler environment than mercedes-benz stadium to go watch a game you know right yeah i think it's that and then you know it's also being that you know it, it's not that far from the campus it's what maybe it's so by car five minutes it's a mile and a half it's like if you could walk through buildings it's like under a mile yeah. um it, you know it's like you know like like if you were to take a, a tape measure or something it's like 0.9 miles or something but it's like a mile and a half basically um yeah. parking obviously much easier too at the bands and the upper deck sounds like it's going to be closed off so the parking situation should be pretty solid it's, it would be like an Atlanta United game where the parking's pretty pretty reasonable um, to get in and out. And, and you can take Marta and all that stuff, which helps too for some of the kids. So I think it'll be a good showing. Um, I think the crowd after the Clemson game will be fired up a little bit again. I've talked to some people this week who weren't going to go that are going. Um, the only weird thing is a couple of the counties are out for uh, fall break already. Uh, my son starts Friday. Friday's his last day, and then fall break starts. I'm sorry, wait, break. wait, wait. What is fall break? So this is some like bogus uh, thing they came up with in in um, schools up in in the metro. Uh, so like every nine weeks, I think it is, they get a break of one week. So there's a fall break. There's um, you know the winter Christmas break. Then you have winter break and a spring break. What and on so, earth? So if you're a parent, this was something I learned when my child was, you know, just starting school. All of a sudden we had like this week where we had to account for childcare <laughs> um, for my, you know, then, you know, kindergarten or whatever, first grade, whatever he was in. Uh, they have this like week where everything's out. You're like, what the hell? And you're like, signing them up for camps and doing whatever and paying money to like stash your kids somewhere. Now he's older. It's less of an issue because he can kind of hang out and go play with his friends or whatever. But um, yeah, it's like one of those weird things they do here. Like in the summer is much shorter. They start like August 1st or something. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. started school last year. It was like July 31st or something weird like that. Like, Oh, wow. Um, whereas when I was in school, we would start like the last week of August or Labor Day um even in georgia uh so yeah that's <laughs> this is one of those weird things i don't know i imagine there's some sort of science or reasoning behind why they do it but they have shorter summers and they have these two extra weeks of break one at um one right in the fall and then one in um in the winter and, and in, in college we had one at uga but i know georgia tech doesn't really do it um and it was like you got like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off maybe or something. Um, so so do they get the whole week of Thanksgiving off too? Yeah, so he's out. Yeah, so he's out this week and then Thanksgiving week and then only My two goodness. weeks around Christmas or something like that. It's not as long as – I think they stay in longer than we did as kids too uh, around Christmas. So I remember one, one year, it might have been last year or the year before, like it was just a few days before Christmas they had off because of the way the – where the way Christmas fell and the year fell. Um, wow. This is a totally weird tangent we got on, but um, so yes, Russell, that's the, like, that's a weird thing they do at least in the Metro uh, 
I'm not sure if all the counties do it, but I know the ones around us do and, 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 yeah. and DeKalb as well, where I've, and probably Gwinnett too, um, yeah. where I have friends that have kids. So yeah, fall break's a thing and winter break and you have to find things for your kids to do. It's fun times. Oh man. So, and, uh, so yeah. on the flip side of what I was saying is I know some people are taking like going out of town with their families or whatever. Cause a lot of people, if you have multiple kids, they're young, you have to kind of take off for the week unless you have like family or something you can ship them over to. So, um, some people I know that are pretty diehard tech fans are actually going out of town this week, um, and are going to miss the game. So that was just some, another sort of observation on, on what's going on, but I do expect the attendance to be a little bit better and, Obviously, Carolina will bring a decent amount of fans now that they have a little more interest in their football program, but still not like what Clemson or, or Virginia Tech or some of these other schools can bring when they're when they're good. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I expect them to have a higher attendance than the Ole Miss Louisville game did there a few weeks ago. I think that's a. I think that looked pretty... like a Georgia State game in the old Georgia Dome. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It looked like there were more recruits than there were fans. Was, that was, that was tough to watch. That was a weird, really strange decision to pair those teams up. I think you can do old Miss, but you have to make them play somebody their fans well, yeah. give a crap about. Like you can't make but them play Louisville. I think it was the game was scheduled at a time where Louisville looked like they were on the up and up. Oh, maybe when like Lamar was there or something. Uh, maybe that or um, right after directly after. I don't remember. I was covering Ole Miss when the game was. Involved. I mean, but they played other dumb ones too. They played Duke, Alabama, which was insane. Yeah, like, like I mean, that's like playing. You know, it would be like Georgia Tech scheduling a game with Savannah State and the and the Mercedes Benz. Like that makes no yeah. sense. Like, yeah, no, what that was not great. They need to maybe they need to chill out on having like three games or two games or whatever, and go back to having one. Right. Um, you know, in terms of the the kickoff games, and next year they'll have Georgia Tech Clemson on Labor Day Monday, um, so that'll be, I'm sure, an interesting game, uh, and I'm sure the right. upper, upper deck will be open for that one. Um, yeah, but so I know. Getting back to recruits there for a, a quick second, I know uh, there was originally going to be um, a little bit of a smaller amount of recruits because of um, homecoming at Westlake. This is just like a specific example. <laughs> and um, I, I was talking to some kids. I was uh, talking to some coaches, talked to some other people around the Westlake program. And they're like, no, nah, man, I think these kids, they, they want to go to the game. Like, you know, they have two commits from there. And then they're also really hot on uh, Caden Lee, the 23 receiver. Everybody's really hot on him. The kid's a stud. Yeah. And then um, they also have some interest in the running back who has really kind of caught everybody's attention this season. I'm not sure if he's going to be there, but I do know that Caden Lee will be there and uh, both the commits are expected to be there again. And then you've also got some other recruits who have been committed and may, may actually have a rather big game on Friday, which is you know, Jaron Willis, the, um, hybrid safety linebacker, whatever you want to call him, athlete from Lee County, who is playing Warner Robins on Friday night. And then I don't know if he's leaving directly after that game or if he's leaving in the morning, but I mean, he's got ample time with it being a night game, but he will be at the, he will be at the game 
And I believe he's going to try to bring um, one of his, either his cousin or uh, one of his friends, which is a, a teammate who is being recruited by Georgia Tech. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the visitor list, I plan on putting up, I'd say, you know, mid to late afternoon on uh, Friday on Jackets Online and then throughout the, the evening and the night and even into Saturday, I'll, I'll update that. And then on top of that, with, with this being a home game and th- them playing at the Benz, this is a great opportunity for the coaches to get on the road tomorrow, get get back out there, see some kids that they haven't seen yet. Um, you know, look at maybe a couple 23 quarterbacks who could potentially be offers down the line or could be kids who, you know, get camp invites um, for, for next summer. Um, but, but like, it's, it's good to be seen. And, and I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to that's how that part of recruiting is it's more about the players the recruits seeing the logo on the sideline on the polo or the jacket or the shoes or whatever it is just being noticed and and recognized because while you're there you're not really supposed to have like full-blown conversations with the kid yep you're there you're there to watch the, the the game you're there to talk to coaches you know get you can maybe get a feel for a kid or what's going on but, you know, you're, you're not there to have a conversation. You're there to be seen and to communicate to other people who could possibly be decision makers when it comes time for um, the process to end. Yeah, it's going to be, I think they they feel like this is a beneficial situation to do this with the Benz and as a recruiting tool. I think it's cool to play there. I like the Benz a lot. It's much nicer than the Georgia Dome was. I was very critical of them building it, but after spending time there, I mean, it's just, light years better experience especially as a sitting there like i've gone to atlanta united games there and it's just so much better than the georgia dome was or like certainly fulton county stadium um and the amenities and and it's cool to to have that kind of take advantage of that being down the street and playing some cool games there and hopefully some games that are meaningful hopefully i mean one of the things i brought up jeff collins this week was this is a game that's um this is a game that's where Georgia Tech controls their destiny, technically, right? If Georgia Tech wins out, they own the tiebreaker in the coastal and they go to the because they'll have beat everyone at least one time and their only loss will have been to Clemson on the other side. So if you run the table, you win the coastal no matter what. So as Paul Johnson liked to say, these games count as two when you play in your division because it really sets you back if you lose one, like you're you almost drop back two games um, versus just one. So, you know, that's a whole other interesting piece of this. Um, I think a lot of the pressure is on Carolina because they're in the top 25 and, and Pitt as favorites. And you got Sam Howells, the Heisman hopeful quarterback. And, um, you know, as, and as a Heisman voter, I'll definitely be watching real closely um, what he does, you know, on, on Saturday and how he looks. And this will be like my one chance to see him probably in person this year. So uh, I'm going to be really like interested in, in how that goes down. And then, um, you know, Mac Brown is clocks ticking on Mac Brown too. Let's be honest. Like he's not a, you know, he's not a 50 year old coach. He's, he's a lot older than that. So I think he's got to try to make whatever his move is. And it certainly looks like Clemson's vulnerable right now, at least until they figure out their offense. Um, yeah. So this is the time if someone else is going to win the ACC for the first time in what, six years, seven years since F- Florida state won it um, with Jimbo. This is sort of the time to strike, and um, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's just so much on the line for, for North Carolina. I, I just wonder how this is going to play out. I mean, I've been pretty clear on my predictions in this game. I just have a hard time. The game I equate this to is Central Florida last year where Georgia Tech came in with an absolute puncher's chance to win that game. And they did not get the breaks to go their way and they made mistakes and fell behind in the third quarter. And that was it. And this is a game where if they don't make those mistakes, I think it could be a competitive game, but I also just don't feel like they're set up to be in a 42 for, you know, 39 game or something. I think they need the game score to be a little bit lower than that. So, um, and it'll be interesting to see how bad North Carolina's defense is too. Like, They've given up a lot of points this year, a lot of yards uh, to offenses that haven't exactly lit the world on fire. And, um, you know, can Georgia Tech take advantage of that too and and show growth and show that they can play three good games in a row, right? Like they played well against Kennesaw State, played pretty well against Clemson, uh, really played a hell of a game on defense and, and offensively did everything they could to stay in the game against in a real overmatched matchup. Um, so can they play better against a, an opponent who's not on that level defensively? And then, you know, can they keep playing clean football too, which they've been really lucky. Um, and I don't, maybe not luck's the word for it. Um, they've been very good at limiting their mistakes. Right. Um, yeah. Over the last, even year. almost to a fault, like, you know, being a little I ultra conservative. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know, that's where I look at this. I see, I predicted 42, 24 or something like that. North yeah, Carolina. that is what you predicted. I think, what, what is it? A two page thread now on the message board? Three. Yeah, it probably is. They're mad at me. Some, some are mad at me. The more realistic ones are not. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a weird game because you don't, you also don't know which, which play calling hat you're going to see from um, North Carolina's offensive coordinator on Saturday. <laughs> Cause you've got the, the matchup week one against Virginia tech where he looked like he shit his pants before kickoff. And then you have the, the matchup with Virginia where it, it looked like a completely different, it, it looked like how you would have expected it to look going into the season. Yeah. I mean, we all predicted them to smoke Virginia tech in that opener. Cause we thought, yeah. you know, we watched them in the bowl game last year. Right. And like, and they're cruising without those guys that all left to, for the NFL. Right. And, so we just assumed that was where it was going to pick up. And that's where I also get back to everyone that craps about the, the first game of the season. Everybody looked like crap pretty much that I watched across the board. Like how many teams look sharp on the first, in the first game. Now look at that yeah, Clemson, looking- Georgia game. Like how, like, you yeah. know, like Oregon still, or yeah, Oregon, or you had all these different teams that just, you Washington lost to um, East, who they lose to Montana. Montana. I mean, like, you know, that's where I actually feel like playing Clemson might not be a bad idea out of the gate because if you suck in that game, it's over with, and you get on with the rest of your season. Um, right. You knock the cobwebs out and get going. But, I mean, there was what – what did we have? It was like nine or ten different FCS P5 losses that first week. Um, yeah, there was a lot. I mean, so to me, like – and he had some real bad ones like Vanderbilt and East Tennessee State. Where yeah. They lost 31 to three. Um, but yeah, so I just look at this like, I think you're going to start to see what these two teams are. I did say I thought Virginia was going to be terrible this year. So I will, maybe that plays into this too. Like their defense is not very good. And 
I think they can throw the football, but they can't run. Uh, they don't really have a running back. I think in that game they did run for like a hundred yards, but it was like the most anyone had was like 25 yards or something. It was like split between six different people. You're talking about UVA. Yeah. UVA. Like it was like, I mean, I think Tony Amerson might start at Virginia right now. Like that's where their running back room is. And he's like the sixth running back for Georgia tech, maybe the seventh. Like, yeah, I think Bruce Jordan Swilling would start there. I think Bruce would absolutely start there. Um, They would kill to have Jemias Griffin or Dante Smith. Like, right. You know, like, that shows you I, – I, I don't get what Bronco's doing there, and um, I think maybe reality is going to start to set in a little bit for them. Um, he'll go back to – he got that sort of generational quarterback that limped them along um, last year. Was it last year or two years ago? Um, God, what was that kid's name? The big quarterback they had. Uh, Perkins? Yeah. It was Yeah, Bryce Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. So like he sort of was willed them to victory, right? Like they don't have that now. So um I you know, I don't know. I think it's funny that somehow Virginia is a favorite against Wake Forest too this week. Um especially after watching what Wake did to Florida State. Yeah, that might be one where I, I would if I was a gambler I would go in. Um but yeah, so you know, looking at looking at the matchup, I you know, I'm just concerned. I, I, Georgia Tech has not shown an ability to go shot for shot with anybody yet with the staff. Yeah, and so that's where my concern comes in. Like, even when they ran the triple, they would have games when Fedora was a coach at North Carolina, where they go, they had that game, that was a 68-59 game, whatever the hell it was, like the highest scoring game in ACC history. Like, my goodness. They had some insane games against Carolina back then, and I still don't think they've had a defense since Butch Davis left. That's been worth a crap. So, um, you know, it'll be, I think, a high-scoring game, but I don't, I just don't like the matchup for Georgia Tech. Uh, and coming off an emotional loss at Clemson, there's a know. guy on their D line that I remember it was when I first started covering recruiting. I think it was right after Collins got hired. He visited and then ended up at UNC. I'm trying to remember. Is it Tamari? Tamari, oh, Tamari Fox. Fox. Yeah, well, they recorded, they recruited him and his brother, who are both – They, I don't know. I guess – is Tomon still there? Um, so there's the Fox brothers. They were um, – they were both um, pretty good recruits from the local Metro um, – you have um, Tomano is a grad student now. Okay, that makes sense. And then Tamari is a junior. Um, so, yeah, he was, uh, I think, from Collins Hill. Um, gotcha. And then I think that was where Tomon was from, too. And they recruited both of them. And they both had serious interest. But, you know, it seemed like it was sort of a slam dunk that he was going to go follow his brother and that was such a weird spot for Jeff and them to be in coming in late to try to just sign. And they just signed who they could, you know? Yeah. And they found a couple of guys who contributed and most of that class was sort of just, uh, you know, it was the kids that could figure out how to work into their system from, from uh, the Paul Johnson class. And then, you know, like Jordan Yates um, or, uh, 
Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, it Jordan Yates, Demetrius Knight, still plays a little bit. Um, Wesley Walker and Kalani Norris. Um, yeah. And then they added Keenan Johnson and Dylan Devaney and Sylvain and Jemias and Mike Lockhart. And then everyone else they signed is basically not on the team anymore. Um, yeah. I think the only other guy that's still on the team is Jamal Camp, whose brother is Jalen Camp and to- touchdown Tony. We mentioned Zach Owens. The rest right. of the guys are all medical or transferred out um, from that. In that group, but Chico Bennett was a decent player. He's he's at Virginia now. Um, I think he's hurt f- out for the year. But um, you know, the, this will be an interesting game, right? Like, you know, can Tech get a pass rush on them? They got a old veteran offensive line, uh, Carolina. They like to spread you out. You got Josh Downs, who Jeff raved about in his press post uh, his press conference thing, which. I enjoy it because he directed it at me about Josh. Cause he's like, Kelly, you know, Josh, I was like, yep. I know. I was like, I was like, he's a bad dude. He's a really good football player. Like, yeah, he's sort of their one super dynamic weapon. And then they have some decent running backs and yeah. Um, Ty Chandler and DJ Jones. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the big key and if, Josh Downs goes over a hundred. I think North Carolina wins the game. I think they they win the game and co- probably cover the spread. You know, sure. if, if he's hovering around a hundred or maybe even a little over a hundred because he's such a a big weapon for them and they, they'll target him so much. Um, I think that's where you could see you know potentially Georgia Tech you know making it a game and into the fourth quarter. That's where things can always can get interesting. I mean Georgia Tech fans saw that last weekend. You know you got to the the fourth quarter and it was a a one possession game and you know everything was up for grabs. Yeah. And, and they had a chance to win the game and, you know, that's all you can ask for. And, you know, they'll see a mirror of what they've been doing in offense, uh, what they did on defense against Clemson. This is a three, three, five team. Um, you know, one interesting thing I wanted to mention about the three, three, five thing um, going forward. And also some of the stuff they were doing in the four, two, five. Um I see Jared Willis playing the sort of Charlie Thomas role, which is they used him sort of like a nickel at times and as a linebacker at times in in the last game. It wasn't just him playing linebacker and it wasn't him being, you know, linebacker only. I think Willis, if he ends up going to Georgia Tech, gives him that opportunity to be that sort of – forget what the Thacker called the position in their defense. They have a name for it. It'd be Joker um, position anyways, like sort of a quasi strong safety linebacker guy. And I think that's what yeah. Jaron Willis is. Like, I think he's what the NFL uses a lot now, which is these kind of tweener guys. And I think that's a great sales pitch showing them Charlie Thomas and showing Wesley Walker and what those guys do on defense and what they'd like Tariq to do. And that's sort of somewhere in there is where Jaron Willis is um, ideally. And yeah. I think that is a good fit for him to be honest with you. You know, that, uh, that actually, you just brought up a, another interesting point. You know, Carpenter's out for the, the first, first half. half. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see kind of what the, uh, the personnel plan is you know, back there in that, that half at secondary, because from, from what I've seen from, you know, your snap counts and from, 
other people I've spoken with, it, it seems like everybody rotates in the um, the defense except for their, you know, those back two. Uh, yeah, Wanye and Reek tend to play the whole games when they're healthy. Um, in the Kennesaw game where Tariq went out after the first play, Jay just played Jay King played the whole game at strong safety. Um yeah. last week when he got boot when he got the targeting, they used Derek Allen actually a little bit more and played Jay King a little bit. So yeah. it was both of them. So it'll be interesting to see which I think they'll just roll those two guys, to be honest with you, like depending on how right. they play. Um, I think I like, you know, both of them cover, I think are a little bit better, uh, honestly, at covering than, than Tariq is. And I love Tariq, but, you know, both those guys, um, you know, Derek's literally playing corner at times for Georgia Tech. And Jay King right. was a corner in high school. And um, a four star, yeah. Yeah, a four star. They both were. And can cover and, uh, so you have two guys who are, are good at that. I think it puts it more back into the mirror concept versus the strong free safety uh, or they call them boundary and field, I think is how they play them. But um, yeah. you won't see maybe them necessarily rocking the box as much, but I think that's actually not a bad thing in this game where you have maybe more of a lot more vertical things going on and, and concepts where you, one of them might have to cover Josh Downs if he gets loose or um, yeah, one of the other receivers or one of the backs on the wheel or whatever. So I, I do like that a little bit about this. I'll be interested to see how those guys respond. Um, you know, Derek Allen's been a guy I've been kind of waiting to see do something. I think Jay was a guy who played really well uh, in the first year with Jeff Collins, then struggled last year for whatever reason. I think along yeah. along with everyone else, basically in the secondary and the at the safety spot, and then he's played well this year. So it'll be that'll be an interesting thing for me. Uh, you know, Juan, this is a game where Wanye is going to get some work too. Um, he was sort of not really in the game plan last week because of the way Clemson was playing. He was kind of roaming deep, kind of looking around like there's nothing for me to do here because um, they weren't throwing the ball down the field, but. Yeah. You know, this is a game where Wesley Walker is going to be big um, at the nickel spot. Uh, do you see Caleb Edwards? Do you see um, Derek Brooks. Allen play there? Do you see Miles Brooks at free safety some or nickel? Yeah. Um, you know, that'll all be very interesting. Do they move Wanye over and play Miles Brooks some? Do they, uh, does Jalen Huff play, which um, would be pretty surprising? Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, you know, I don't know that, like, out of all the guys on the defense, I don't know that Tariq's the guy that makes or breaks things right now with the way he's been playing. So, I don't, you know, to me, that's not as big of an issue as it w would be against maybe like a Kennesaw State type team. And Jay King did a great job stepping up in that, in that game. Uh, and Tariq, you know, for as much grief as he gets, he, um, does play well at times and has shown flashes of his, his ability. I think he's just not, people don't realize he hasn't even been close to hundred percent this year. So maybe it benefits him from, um, you know, sitting out in the first half, he can be fresher in the second half of the game as well. And maybe that gives him a little burst coming out of halftime, getting him back too. So all these things will be real interesting. Uh, you know, I wonder if they take the ball um, if they win the toss too, they, we all thought they would at Clemson and they won the toss and deferred, which I was fascinated by. Um, yeah. Will they take the ball this time and try to get points up early? 
because the one thing you can say about the North Carolina offensive coordinators and the, the last couple ones, including Larry Fedora, is they tend to freak out when they fall behind in a game and do really crazy stuff. Like they start throwing downfield all of a sudden and abandon the run completely and become one dimensional. Um, so that's something else to kind of wonder. That was what Paul Johnson used to kill them with is you, if you could get out on them early, they tended to sort of panic and, and you'd have these quick three and outs that Dave Padno talked about the other day. Like you can't do that to your defense. You can't go three and out in like 30 seconds, you know, of game time. Like you got to ru- try to run the ball and, and work the clock a little bit. So maybe it, it does benefit them to take the ball. I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see about all that stuff and, I'm still kind of bummed they're not wearing the black jerseys. I thought they were going to go with the black jerseys for the for the mayhem in the bends. Uh, that'll be Halloween Eve against Virginia Tech, if I had to guess. That's a good call. They have a blackout for Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's my guess. Blackout for the soon Black Monday coming for Justin Fuente. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he! I was like that guy has like nine lives and he used all of them. He used the last three on uh, that opening game against North Carolina or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty funny. They play rich. I think they have Richmond this week. Uh, if he loses that one, he might not, he might not uh, make it of Blacksburg. Um, but yeah, they have, they play Richmond and then they play Notre Dame. Um, who's probably the worst 12th ranked team in the country. And um Notre Dame Wisconsin game should be interesting. There's a lot of uh interesting games that are just not in the ACC this week. Uh so we we looked around at that earlier. Um this is this is not the but that's when you tend to see like Georgia Tech upset North Carolina too when they have these it was like last week everyone thought it was a down week and then you had a really interesting game with with Georgia Tech and, and Clemson and the West Virginia Virginia Tech game and um I feel like there was another one that was uh, obviously Wake Forest and Florida State, the continued demise of the, the criminals. I'm sorry, Seminoles. And, um, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, that'll be something else to watch. And with the game being 730, the beauty, I was telling Russell this, I was like, I don't have to leave my house to like five if I want to, uh, to go down to the bend. So, I can watch like all of the afternoon slate and a lot of the three thirty games and see, kind of have a good feel of what's going on. Whereas at that Clemson game, you basically miss everything because it's a three thirty game. Right. So, uh, you know, fun times. It'll be interesting to see where, uh, what we're talking about next week. It's, it just seems like it's really hard to predict this season. Uh, I have a buddy who's a degenerate gambler. And he was just telling me that he's had to like revert to just gambling in the NFL because the college football season's been so crazy so far this year with uh, the lines and trying to pick winners and stuff. So uh, there's no telling if it holds up to form, we could have a, you know, upset Saturday or something going on. So you just never know. And um, I guess that's what the beauty of college football is. Anybody can beat anyone on any given day, except for, you know, probably whoever uh, Southern Miss playing Alabama. I feel like that one's, that's a safe one, but yeah, maybe Georgia and Vanderbilt's pretty safe, but um, you know, aside from those, I, you know, you know, Pitt should beat New Hampshire, you know, like 
Virginia Tech should beat Richmond. Miami should beat Central Connecticut. Like, not a lot of great games this weekend in the ACC. So, uh, the, I think really the Clemson game at 3.30 on ESPN and then um, the Tech Carolina game is are probably the two best games. And hopefully people will watch. Uh, obviously, if you live in Atlanta and you have Comcast like I do, you won't. You have to go to the game if you want to watch it. So, um, or go to a local sports bar or something. But any final thoughts, Russell? No, I think you you kind of kind of covered it. It's going to be an uh, interesting Saturday, and uh, Saturday night should should have quite a few recruits. And said uh, they tune the jackets online for everything. Cool, man. I appreciate you, Russell, and we're back next week with more Jackets Online podcast.